You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless. So, um... I know that next Sunday is Father's Day, but next Sunday we're going to have an emphasis on baptism. So this week I want us to talk about fathers. I want to talk talk about biblical masculinity, biblical manhood. Um, I believe firmly that men are important. Regardless of what the culture may teach, regardless of what um, the television shows may say about men... Uh, I believe firmly from the word of God that men are important and even more important, I believe godly men are vital to the survival of the church and to families. Amen? All right. Um, and, and I need us to understand this, that, that the world in which we live, and we're seeing, we're seeing it now a little clearer than we've ever seen it before, that there is a... There is a war that is taking place in front of us. There is a battle that's taking place for our hearts and for our spirits. It's a big, it's a big battle. Um, the male culture in general is broken because of sin, because of the fracturing of, uh, because of the sinful nature of human beings. Male culture is broken. And, and this is because the male culture is broken on some level because we've, we've, we feel like we've progressed as a society. But we see men over the last 60, 70 years have placed a value on things that are truly not eternally significant. For the past 60, 70 years, we've got men who have really just walked away from their role as the spiritual leaders in their homes. They no longer do that. They say, that's, I'll leave that up to mom. I'll leave that up to the ladies to to be the spiritual guidance in the home. Now, God help the the single moms that have to to do that. And and man, you blessings on you for for the the pursuit of Christ likeness and and holiness in your in your kids' lives. But I I, I want to focus in this morning on the men. I, I've heard men in their fifties, sixties, and seventies tell me at different. I, I've preached all over the country at different men's events and I've had conversations with men after each one of those events and I've heard the conversation it's always been the same they say well I just don't feel like I'm equipped to be a spiritual leader I just I'm just not that guy I leave that up to my wife I leave that up to the kids moms and and that idea of just taking a hands-off approach of being the spiritual leader of the home has trickled down into young men's lives Older men have just ignored the things of God and set a precedent for younger men. And, and what happens so many times is that younger men don't just ignore the things of God. So we've got a generation, an older generation, that has somewhat just ignored the things of God. But that's now trickled down into the younger men. And they don't just ignore it anymore. They're actually aggressively against the things of God. They don't just ignore God, but they're now aggressively against the things of God. Um, let's just look at this in first, uh, Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, this is just a, a running good start. Go to Second Timothy chapter three. I want you to see how this plays out in the world in which we live. Understand this: that in the last days, 
there will come a time of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, um, reckless, swollen with con- uh, conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and they all the while have somewhat of an appearance of, of, God, of, of godliness, but they deny the actual power. So, man, we're living in a world right now where we've got people... In this culture in which we live, we've got men and women who have this, like, I, it's somewhat, if it wasn't sad, I'd laugh a little bit, but it is sad to watch these men and women who claim to, to know God, they don't, they don't follow the God of this Bible, they follow a God of their own imaginations, they follow the God of the things that they just make up. God wants me to be happy, God wants me to do this, God, God wants me, hey, I was born this way, so God says I can, be a, be a, I can do whatever I want because I was born this way. Where did you find that in the text? Well, I didn't. I just made it up in my head. Well, then that's not the God of the Bible. You're, you're, you're following and worshiping a God that you've made and fashioned in your own hands. And so the text that we read there in 2 Timothy sounds a lot like what's happening in the world in which we live. It's, it's just absolutely insane. So many atheists that I know personally, I, I always ask the question when I have conversations with atheists, because I want to know why. Why did you get to the point that you decided that you wanted to be an atheist? Where, at what point did you make a decision? You're like, man, there is no such thing as a God. Because if I looked at you this morning and I said, hey, this pulpit that I'm, I'm preaching behind, before the service, what I did is I took a bunch of wood and I put it into a larger box and I just shook it for about 10, 15 minutes and I brought it back up here and I set it out and it was just put together. How many of y'all would believe that? You'd say, no, Caleb, there has to be a designer. If, if this was built, if this is sitting here and it's the way it's constructed with all the intricate things that it has on it, someone had to build it. Someone had to put it together. Did you know your eye is more complicated than the, than, than the phone that you hold in your hand? The computers that you're on, those computer circuits are stone age compared to what's in your eye. Just your eye itself is more complicated than any other computer system in the world. Someone had to design that thing. Someone had to build it. So I have those questions. So students that are young and they walk through this thing, they don't just wake up one day and just be like, you know what? There is no God. There's a progression that happens. So I ask these questions. What what happened? And every one of them, every person that I've had a conversation with about their atheism grew up in church. Every last one of these people grew up in church. They had a background in church. Some of them even in Baptist churches. So what happened? Someone hurt me. I was disillusioned by the pastor or the Sunday school teacher. I didn't like my youth pastor. My mom and dad, did, I didn't like the way they shoved the religion down my throat. I don't, didn't like how this was happening like this, blah, blah, just going back and forth. There's always something in their past where they just say, I just, I personally didn't like it. And if, if that's how we approach everything in life, how would that work out? But typically, typically, when you see this, their fathers have pushed so many other things of importance. So these men and women that I've, I've had conversations with about this, you dive a little deeper. And the father has pushed another narrative. 
the dad has placed an importance in their life on something else other than church, other than the Bible, other than studying God's Word, being a part of the fellowship. There have been men who have, as fathers, have pushed out this narrative, pushed out this, this idea um, that... Um, that these things are better. So they, they push out sports, hunting, education, uh, things of that nature. Um, now, th- those things aren't inherently bad. Sports and, and things of that nature aren't inherently bad. Um, but when you replaced, when you, when, when you replace the best thing with something that's good, that, that good thing becomes evil, becomes wicked. Now, I, I want us to see this. I want you to understand this. That, that there have been so many people that have ignored the things of God. These older men, these fathers, these grandfathers, they've ignored the things of God. And they've replaced, they've replaced Jesus with something different. Their church activities, their Bible studies, whatever that is. They've, they've ignored that commitment to the things of God. And they've... Um, Rather than being a part of church on a weekly basis as, as a thing that should be happening, like, we, we don't do that. We, they don't do that. They just ignore those things. Um, which is just, I, to me, it seems silly. And they'll, they'll use the excuse in their commitment to this. They'll say, like, church is just, it's too long, it's too tedious, and I just, I just don't like the idea of it. I just, the idea of church is not going to work for me. I, I can't follow through on this. And they, they get disillusioned with this as, as older men. That trickles down into the lives of these younger men. And they involve them th- in themselves in things that really have no connection with Jesus. And sometimes they, they're, they're counter-cultural to Jesus. Counter-cultural to the gospel. And, and so you've got people that, older men that have ignored the things of God. And they've pushed that out on, and trickled that down into the younger generation. And now they don't just ignore it. They've become aggressively against the things of God. Romans 1.21, where it says they, they, knew, not, they, knew, they knew God, but they, they, they refused to acknowledge Him. They refused to acknowledge Him. So they become an enemy to the gospel and they become an enemy to Jesus. So generationally, we have a problem of older men not placing a high regard for the things of God in their families. And in, as a result of that happening, younger men in bulk not only ignore the things of God, but they become hostile towards the things of God. Um, I think of a couple of years ago in Oklahoma City, they erected a Ten Commandments statue on the, on the uh, part of the lawn at the, at the Capitol. And there was a man who was filled with rage. And he flew in and he rammed his car into this Ten Commandments statue. And he just, sl- and just came out and he said, I couldn't destroy his own car so that he could take out a statue of a, of a, of a Ten Commandments. Why? Why? Because the, the preaching of the Word is futile. It's folly. It's silliness to the people that are... Perishing. Those that are perishing, they think that this is not important, so they become hostile and they tear this stuff down. So, here's the thing. This morning, we, I've, I've defined quickly here, I've defined the issue. Sin is the, is the problem. As a, result that, as a result of sin, we now have broken male culture. You say, well, Caleb, what's the answer? What's the answer? 
We desperately need men who know what it means to be a true, godly man. Kenny Luck says that every man is like a stick of dynamite. Every man is like a stick of dynamite. You have a blast zone radius. You will per- your, you have an impact. I mean, if, I, if I put a stick of dynamite in this room and I lit it right now, there would be a blast zone, right? There would be men and women that would be affected by that blast zone. The same exact thing happens with every man in this room. You have a blast zone radius. You are either impacting the world for your own personal desires and personal agendas, or you're impacting people for the cause and the name and the renown of Jesus Christ. So I want us to look at 1 Corinthians. Go to your, get your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 13 and 14. Alright. First thing out of the gate. 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. So I, I want us to focus on just for a second that idea of act like a man. That text that says act like a man. What do, when you think of the word act like a man, what do you think of? Macho, you know, military, which those things are definitely have masculine tendencies. But what do we think of? We think of sports, we think of hunting, we think of the military, we think of a macho man, we think of a tough guy, we think of all these things that are big and, whoa, yeah, right? Well, God's Word gives us in this text this order. There's a creative order that God has set up for us as men. He has called you and I as men to do something. He's called us to be something. Now, I, I want you just for a minute to imagine with me, what, just for a second, what it would look like if men took their rightful place in the church, in the home, in culture. Now, I'm talking about Christian men. Men who claim to know God. Men who claim to know Christ, what would it look like if you, as a man, took your rightful place in these places? Where God intended you to be. Where God sets you up to be a leader. Where God sets you up to be a protector. Think of the, what kind of impact that you would have on the world in which we live. Think about that. We would not have to be, like, listen to me. We would not have to be fighting this thing. Right now, the really big thing right now is human trafficking. Like, there are more people enslaved today than there have ever been in the, in the, in the history of humanity. There are people enslaved right now as property throughout the world for the pleasure of men. How horrible is that? Like, it, it's, it is deplorable. It's deplorable. We would not have to be fighting sex trafficking, human trafficking. Pornography would be um, not a multi-billion dollar industry. I, I want you to think about this. In the porn industry, there are more, there's more money made in the porn industry than NFL, in, uh, Major League Baseball, and National Basketball. Those three together. There's more money in pornography than those three sports entities combined. You don't think there's not a giant effort by the enemy to try to keep us distracted and keep us excited about the things of the world, man, there is. 
So the first thing out of the gate that, that we're told here in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Be watchful. We're called to be watchful. First thing. We are called as men to lead, provide, and protect. We are called to lead, guide, and protect. In all areas of life. You say, well, Caleb, I'm doing a really good job. I'm working hard and I'm, I'm making money for my family and I'm, I'm taking care of them. Well, awesome. But where are you when it comes to leading, guiding, and protecting their spiritual, your, the kids in your home, their spiritual hearts, their, your wife? How, where are you at on that? Where are you at in there? Are you standing firm? Are you watching? Are you providing? Are you protecting in all areas? Not just, oh, I, I make the money. Oh, that's great that you make the money. All the while your kids are going to hell. Like that's a problem. Men, you're called as by God to be a spiritual leader in your home. We're called to stand up for biblical morality. We're called to stand firm in our faith. We're called to be watchful. Like pay attention to what's going on around you. Second Peter says to be watchful. Be aware of your surroundings because the enemy is like a prowling lion that wants to take you out. He wants to eat you and devour you, guys. And I'm telling you right now, Look over the last five years at how many men... You've seen the impact of broken male culture. Men have been going out left and right over things that are just ridiculous. Like things that are just horrible. Like men are being taken out. There's even Christian men that are being taken out. Why? Because the enemy's crafty. He's looking for ways to take you out. So he says, be watchful. And he says, stand firm in the faith. We're to stand firm. Men are called to stand up for biblical morality. We're called to stand up for what is righteous, what is good, what is right. We as Christian men should not have to apologize for standing up for what is biblically right and what is biblically wrong. Like we shouldn't be stand like we we should stand against what's right and wrong. We should stand up for what's right and the things that are wrong. We should stand up for what's wrong. And just say, no, that's the stand against it. Period. We're to have a moral compass, even when it's not popular. We're to have a moral compass, even when it's not popular. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, tells us that we are to um, stand up for our wives, men. We're to love them as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Selflessly. He gave Himself completely to the church. He gave up His own life to redeem and reconcile and ransom the church. So Jesus is, okay, this is what you as a man should be. You should give your life up. You should wring your life out for your family. Period. You should wring your life out for your family. Act like men. Act like men. We're called to, as men, to be strong, not weak. We're, not, we're called to stand up for the weak. Those that are, that, where there is injustice, we are called to stand up for those that are weaker and that are, are having injustice planted against them. We're to stand up as men, biblical men. Husbands should be praying with their children and their wives. You, you pray with everyone else. When we've got men, we'll be willing to pray with anybody else. But man, I want to pray with my wife. Why don't we want to pray with our wives, guys? Because they know us. <laughs> they know where we're messy. They know that we're sometimes morons. Can I get an amen? 
Ladies are like, ladies are like, should I say amen? I don't know. Should I? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, they know us. So we're like, man, I don't want to pray with her because, like, I can't, I, I don't want to look like an idiot because she knows I'm an idiot. That's okay. Like, we're still called by God to lead. We're called to provide. We're called to pray with our, our wives. We're called to pray with, this is the one person we should be praying with on a regular basis. We should be jumping at the opportunity to pray with our wives. Men, husbands, I'm challenging you. Like, start this week. Take time to pray with your wife. Now, wives, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you, don't, be, don't try to be the Holy Spirit. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit and say, Hey, honey, you didn't do that right. Like, be quiet for just a minute and let him, let him do it. Like, let him try. Let him try, okay? Let him try to be the leader. Boyfriends, boys that are dating girls, you should be leading your girlfriend to the feet of Christ, not the edge of your bed. Yep. These are the things that, and ladies, let me just go ahead. Girls, I'm just going to tell you this, that are single in the room here. There's several in here that are single. Um, if you're dating a guy, I, I listened to this this morning. Actually, this is not my words. I'm just going to give it. Ask him what his intentions are. And if he's like, oh, I don't know, then tell him to pack, pack up and go. You need to go. And when you become a spiritual leader, you can come back and talk to me. But until you're a spiritual leader, bye. Bye. No, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. Yeah. These are the things that... Are, these, guys, these are the proving grounds for us. Your family is the proving ground. If you're not praying with your kids, if you're not showing your kids their scripture, if you're not spending time pleading with the Holy Spirit to, to work in your wife and your kids' lives, man, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. So Paul tells us to act like men. Stand up, stand firm in the faith, and act like men. Now, what's the last part of this? Let all that you do be done in love. Let all you do be done in love. Showing love on top of all of this. What's the reason that you stand firm? What's the reason you're watchful? What's the reason you're doing this? Because you love the people you're with. You love your family. You love your kids. You love your spouse. You love your church. You love your community. So you say, man, because I love these things, I want to see the righteousness of God come to fruition in the world in which we live. All these things are to be done in love. Yeah. Yep. Men, like God's called us as men to do something truly big. We've been called as husbands and as fathers to do something truly big. And I, and I want us to just, I go back to this idea. Imagine with me for just a second if men took God serious. If men took the Bible serious. I'll never forget. This was a long time ago. We were in Stillwater. Jamie and I went to Stillwater. And it was game weekend. And I, we didn't know that at the time. But we were down there. And everywhere. Everywhere. Was crazy. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a college football game, but there's this thing called tailgating. Tailgating is a big thing in college football. And I, did, I, I was naive because I never have been a big sports guy. I like it a little bit, but I just know that if I get too much into it, I'll, I'll get 
really hooked in. So I've just never been a big fan of sports. But I'd heard about tailgating, but I saw it for the first time in my entire life when I went to Stillwater. And I'm not, I kid you not, there was a minivan that was parked with the thing slid open, and there was like a 72-inch TV with cables out the side of it. And it was just, it was ridiculous. And I was like, whoa! And like, every, like there was all this thought work and prep work that had gone ahead of time. Like they had grills that were hanging off the back of their trucks. They had all these things. All this stuff was going on. And I was just like, this is insane. And as I was driving, the thought occurred to me. And it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. What would it look like? What would it look like if men took the Bible took church and took Jesus as serious as they take their as they take their football game like what would that look like if we as men took Jesus at his word and took Jesus as serious as we take sports or hunting or whatever thing that we've got out there what would it look like if we took those things as Golly, this is serious. This is eternal. In 10,000 years, the ball won't matter. Like some of you dads will spend tons of time with your kids and teach them how to play a sport, how to shoot a gun, how to dismantle a gun, how to do all these things. And once again, hear me. Those are not bad things. They're not bad. But when you replace Jesus and you get all the onus. Like this morning, I saw a guy out early this like. The early, I mean, he was out of like 5.30 this morning on a fishing boat with his kids. Like, was excited about that. Bragging about that. But he can't get up early in the morning to show his kids what really matters. He can't get up to show his kids that Jesus is the ultimate goal. Because in 10,000 years, I can promise you, none of you are going to be like, man, I was a championship guy, and I played ball really well, and I taught my kid how to throw that ball. That's not going to be what you're going to be. You know what you're going to be? You're going to be thinking, golly, I wish I had spent more time. Oh, I wish I had spent more time teaching my kids about Jesus. Oh, I wish I had spent more time. What would it look like if men took God serious? What would it look like if we as men took our places in the home, in the church, in the communities, and in the, 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 the nation, the way that God intended us to take our place? I'm, I contend that we would not be dealing with the junk we're dealing with today. We would not be dealing with the stuff that we're dealing with today. If, if and when Jesus transforms a man's heart, the destiny of a family changes. Do you know that? Statistically, it is proven that if, if a mom gets saved in church, or part of a Christian ministry, if mom gets saved, the kids are like, I think 30% likely to get saved. If the kid gets saved, mom and dad, that, it's like a 15% chance, I think, that the rest of the family gets saved. But if you look at the statistics, if a man gets radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the rest of the family will be transformed. It's like almost 90% of the time you see the woman and the children get saved. Why? Because God has designed men to lead, guide, and protect. Like that's what we're called to do. We're called, we're called to lead our families. Now, that's not always the case. I get it. There's always going to be those moments where there's not going to be that, that to take place. But men, that doesn't... That doesn't negate the fact that you should be leading your family to Christ. 
And churches, like church. We need to focus on getting men healthy because if we have, like we have, we've poured as a, a church ministry in general, all over the churches, we've poured tons of money into student ministries, women's ministries, children's ministries. We're just trying to stem the tide of insanity. But what would, it happen, what would happen if we poured our resources into getting men healthy, spiritually healthy? Because if you get your men spiritually healthy, your kids' ministries and your youth ministries are healthy. Why? Because dad's doing a bulk of the work at home. Dad's leading at home. The women's ministries will flourish if men are leading at home. Yeah. We are to be a light in a dark world. I think of when you go to a jeweler and a jeweler throws out some diamonds. He, just, he doesn't just put a diamond on the counter and say, look at it. What does he normally do? Is, what does a jeweler do? He'll lay out black felt, black velvet, black felt that he'll lay out. And he'll put the diamonds on that black, that black background and then shine a light. And what happens when you look at those diamonds? It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's so incredible. Why? Because it is a contrast. There's a darkness behind it. But the light is being shown as a reflection. The light's reflected out into a dark and dying world. That's what men should be. Men should be a light in a dark and dying world. And I contend when young men don't have older godly men to show them how to be a man of God, we get the results that we have today. The, the stuff that's going on in the world today. Now, I want to read you an article, just a portion of an article uh, by a guy named um, Wade Horn. He's a PhD. And this article is entitled, Of Elephants and Men. Uh, several years ago, officials at the Kroger National Park uh, in Game Reserve in South Africa were faced with a growing elephant problem. So they had a giant elephant overpopulation in this particular park. It grew to a position where it just they couldn't sustain it. So, a plan was dev- devised to relocate some of the elephants to other African game reserves. So, these are elephants aren't small creatures, right? They're just they're not little. Um, they're they're large, and so they they figured out that we can build a harness and we can lift these animals out. And we can take them safely from one park to another park. So the helicopters were used and they devised this harness, but they realized that they could only take small elephants, babies, and moms. They couldn't lift the bull elephants with what they had. And so this, there was a decision that was made that said, okay, we're just going to take female mom, moms and young adolescent males. And we're going to take them to this other reserve and we're going to drop them off at this other reserve. Problem solved. Population has been redistributed. We're good. We're great. So all of a sudden though, after a few months, there was a strange problem that sort of kind of surfaced at these other uh, reserves. Rangers found that there began, they began to find dead bodies of endangered white rhinos, uh, Stuff was destroyed. They thought initially that it was poachers that were killing these white rhinos. And so they started looking around, trying to do some stuff, and they were finding a lot of stuff was destroyed. There were 
There was property that was destroyed. There were trees that were uprooted. There were things that were killed. Um, and they started doing some, some work. They, laid, they set up cameras and tried to figure out what in the world is going on. Why is this happening? Who's shooting these? Who's killing this stuff? And they looked at the footage on this camera and they were shocked to find that the culprits were indeed a band of young Elephants, male elephants marauding around and destroying and killing everything that was in this park. And they did a little bit more research and realized and came to the understanding that the older uh, bull male elephants would keep the younger teenage goofball elephants in line. Hmm. Like if, if a young elephant tried to destroy property, an old bull would come up and be like, I'm going to whoop you, boy. Like, you ain't going to do that. You don't treat people, you don't treat a rhino like that. Come here. And they, they, whooped, they whooped an elephant. You don't destroy property. You don't, you don't kill Marat. You don't do that. They had no, they come to find out that they did not have older male role models to teach them how elephants should behave, how elephants should act as a group. So you've got this group of young teenage elephants that are out destroying property and killing. Wow. What's going on in 2020 right now? We've got groups of young men marauding in groups, killing, pillaging, destroying, and ripping things apart. Why? Because they do not have godly older men to say, that's not how we act. That's not how a man acts. A man does not go destroy someone else's property. A man does not kill someone. A man does not hurt a woman. A man does not do this. This is not how a man should act. We are called as men to stand up for what God has laid out in His Bible. He said, this is the instructions. If you just follow me, if you just follow what I've called you to do, this is going to work out way better. You say, well, Caleb, that Bible's restrictive and that's just old school. Well, how is it working out in the world in which we live if we've ignored the Bible? How's it working for us? It's not working at all. Things are just being... Like, it's, you think, man, there's no way it can get worse. And I guarantee tomorrow it's going to be worse. We're going to turn on the news and we're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's worse. But what would it look like if we as men said, okay, I'm, I'm done playing games. Today's the day that I'm going to repent of where I've been passive. I've been passive in the things of God. I've been passive. I know that I've been passive in leading my wife and my children to Jesus. And I've been passive in leading and praying with my kids. No more! I'm going to stand for what's right. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to do as I should do. As a grandfather, as a, as a father, as an uncle, I'm going to stand and say, enough is enough. Christ is all that matters. And I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to lead young men around me to see that Jesus is supreme and Jesus is beautiful and Jesus is amazing. Like that's, that's where we're going to see true transformation in the world in which we live. If and when Jesus transforms a man's heart, the destiny of an entire community can change. Like, Jesus can change hearts, radically change them. Jamie and I were talking on the way up here. Paul and Peter, before Christ, they were radically racist. Jesus got a hold of those two men's hearts and said, that's not how this works. 
That's not how this works. And from the point where Jesus got a hold of them, transformed their hearts. Jesus said, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. It's Christ. It's Christ. Period. Like the gospel changes lives. And what we're doing is we're throwing, just, we're trying to, we're not going to the root of the issue. We're like just clicking, we're just clicking off little pieces of leaves. We're not going for the root of the problem. We're just like, we're just surface stuff. We're trying to, oh, this is what, and we need to do this. Sin is the problem, and the only thing that's going to change a sinful heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can never be transformed. Without Jesus coming in and transforming your heart, you are wasting your time. You're climbing Everest naked. Like it's completely a waste of time. It ain't going to work. Oh, if we could just do this, we could, if we could get the right government entity in, if we could get the right party in power, if we could do No! It won't work. When Jesus is enthroned on a man's heart, that will inevitably change everything about him. When Jesus is enthroned on a person, man, woman, boy, or girl's heart, it will inevitably change the course of their life. Period. And if you're just trying to have a behavior mind, I'm just I'm going to try not to cuss this week. I'm going to try not to look at porn this week. I'm going to try. We need to stop trying and we need to start trusting in what Jesus has already done. So men, you're important. Guys, you're important. That study that I read just now, you as an older man are important to the younger people that are around you. Young men need to see older men and how they act. Older, let me, let me say this, older godly men. Because younger men are seeing a lot of silly Older men who just don't care. We need to start seeing older godly men who stand up for what is right. Women. We need to see older women leading lives of righteousness and holiness so that these younger women can see what it's like to be a godly woman. Period. Like that. The table turns on both, both genders. Older women are to teach younger women. Older men are to teach younger men. Period. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. So I don't want to, Caleb. I, just, I don't want to. That's on you then. You're going to be in trouble in eternity. You're going to have to answer to the Lord. Like, if you've got a kid and you're ignoring the fact that they're a hellion, and that they're pursuing the things that are ungodly, that's on you as a parent. Like, that, like this, should, this should motivate us as men and women, as fathers and mothers to say, okay, enough is enough. I have got to follow what God's laid out before me. I have got to pursue Christ. Jesus needs to be my primary focus. He's the one that only matters. Because at the end of this, you and I are all going to die. Nobody in this room makes it out alive. And one day you and I are going to stand before the God of the universe and we're going to have to give an account and say... What? I was too busy? I didn't want to. Like we, make, we can make all the excuses up we want, but none of these excuses will hold water with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, throughout the Bible, gives us mandates, and, he's, and He expects that we follow those mandates. Period. Like, that's what we're called to do. So as you get older and you see these things, as young, young folks that are in here... Begin to study the Word. Study God's Word. Study God's Word. Men, 
Study God's Word. You're important. Like we need godly men. We need you. Like our families, our church needs godly leaders, godly men. Our church needs you. Like don't ever just think, oh, they don't need me. We need you. Oh my gosh, we need you. Don't ever think we don't need you because we do. You are vitally important to your family. You're vitally important to this place. You're vitally important to us. We need you. 